You're listening to an app session from the 2019 Art Conference in Anaheim, California. For more resources to equip you and your local church, visit arcchurches.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Arc West Coast Shortest App. Come on. I can't believe uh, how to deal with abusive bosses in ministry. So... Thank you, everyone, for coming. This is so awesome. A show of hands really quick. Who is an executive a pass, uh, assistant to a senior pastor? Cool. And a, an executive assistant to another department of the church. That's awesome. Thank you so much, everybody, for coming. This is awesome. Uh, my name is Aaron Beffert. I've been at the Dream Center for 16 years. I showed up oh, 15 and a half years ago, uh, January 2004, right out of high school. And I went to Pastor Tommy Barnett's Master's Commission and spent four months in Phoenix, four months in L.A., and always knew from high school that I wanted to be in L.A. at the Dream Center. Uh, how many people have been to the Dream Center in here in L.A.? Cool. It's awesome, huh? I was born and raised in the church, born to a deacon and the church secretary. And <laughs> my whole life, I was in church. And when I was 16, I, I went to the Dream Center for the very first time, and it was the first time I ever got the feeling that this place is going to be here till God comes back. And I still kind of get goosebumps every time talking about it. And I always knew the Dream Center was my place and where I was called to be. And it's been an awesome 16 years. I'm married to Pastor Matthew's wife's sister. Pastor Matthew and I are actually brother-in-laws, and our wives are sisters. So when I showed up to the Dream Center 15 years ago, everybody was like, oh, you need to get with Bernice. That's my wife's name. Because, you know, Matthew's wife and your wife would work perfect and everything. And I used to tell everybody, I clean Pastor Matthew's car, and I help him put together his sermons, and I clean his office, but that don't mean I want to eat Thanksgiving dinner with him. So that's why I always told people, in perfect timing, it all came together. Uh, my wife and I got married. We got three girls, and we live on campus of the Dream Center in Echo Park in downtown LA, and we've lived there for the whole time we've been there for 15 and a half years, and it's awesome to be in the place where you know you're supposed to be at. But this is going to be a huge interactive session. We're going to ask lots of questions. You guys are going to have time to ask questions, talk. That's going to be the best part about it. I'm going to start off by telling you some of the biggest mistakes I've ever made. Has anybody been to Red Deer, Canada? Really? Come on. So there's an awesome church there, an awesome family there, the Mullen family and home church, who's a supporter of the Dream Center. Pastor Matthew gets invited there. We go there. It's about an 85-mile drive through nowhere from Calgary to Red Deer. Um, it's Fahrenheit, about negative 17 degrees at midnight. And we're driving to Calgary to catch our flight the early next morning. And in the middle of the drive, approximately 40 miles into the drive, the car turns off that I'm driving because it ran out of gas. So I passed through Matthew with the car. And sometimes you make huge mistakes, right? (laughs) My second claim to fame is Pastor Matthew was looking into buying a property once and he needed an architectural help from an actual architect to see if something could be done to the property. And the architect ended up never showing up and looking at the house, looking at the place to see if they could build their dream home there. But I still sent a $2,000 payment for the architect to show up. (laughs) So, you know, you make big mistakes. But I'd have a few points on how to get over your big mistakes and to make sure you are happy in the place you're called to be. Uh, 
it, it's an awesome, awesome position. There's a lot of biblical facts about being an assistant, about being an armor bearer, about being a person of influence. It's a very, very awesome, awesome position. Uh, one book I would recommend that not too much from what I'm going to say today came out of, but a huge book in my life that I read probably every six months is called The Blessing of Serving Another Man's Ministry. If you've ever heard of Morris Cirillo, a big crusader, he's had one administrative assistant with him for about 35 years, and his name is Greg Morrow. If you've ever seen Morris Cirillo, you've seen Greg Morrow next to him because Greg Morrow's like seven feet tall. He's got three sons in the NFL. And he wrote this book. It's got seven secrets on how to serve another man's ministry and how to be your best. And it's been a real foundation for me, along with like the prayer of Jabez and how to pray for yourself and the blessing of your ministry. But this book, it's like it's kind of cheesy. You can get it for Amazon for like four bucks. But it's been a true, true thing for me that's helped me out so, so much. The first thing I'll talk about, being an assistant. This is more so really, really, in my, my opinion, to being a, an assistant to the lead pastor, to the senior pastor. I, I'm old school. I like, I've been to church my whole life. I like senior pastor. But uh, don't be a dream killer. It's funny how we hear pastors say all the time, Pastor Matthew mentions it in sermons all the time, about whenever I have an idea for ministry, the last thing I do is have a meeting about it. So you'll have six people in the meeting and the committee who will try to kill your dream. Well, we're going to have... We're going to have an outdoor worship service. And one person will say, well, what if it rains? <laughs> and the truly in the assistant position, in, because fewer people are ever going to be closer to the pastor than the assistant. Fewer people are ever going to have as much access to the pastor. And you can't forget that so many people want to have that connection to the pastor, but it, it often doesn't happen if you're in a church of more than 500 people. It's kind of impossible, right, for the pastor to do that. But to not be a dream killer to your pastor to always, always champion every idea, even if they're silly. And here's a big one. Even if you don't know how to do it, you can still champion it. You can still find teams to help you later and other church members, but don't be a dream killer. That's been a big one for me. Along with Pastor Matthew Barnett, I've been in the same desk in his office for 15 and a half years. I showed up January 2004 with earrings in my ears and was just a kid right out of leadership school. And Pastor Matthew came into my office one day and said, hey, you want to go on a trip? I was like, sure. And he goes, cool, get your passport. We're going to Singapore next week. And so we went to Singapore, and I experienced what pastors do when they travel. He spoke 13 times in six days in Singapore. That's what pastors do when you go overseas and stuff like that. And uh, stay in very subpar average hotels and <laughs> travel around and do that. But I, people always say, what's your role? What do you do? I follow Pastor Matthew Barnett around, whether he likes it or not, pretty much. Kind of always with him. And that's another great point to remember is that you can serve your pastor. You can serve your boss. It's awesome and it's great to be conscious of serving them to the extent that they allow you to. So Pastor Matthew Barnett's kind of a different cat to where, like, I can pull up his car after service. He drives a blue SUV. I can pull up a white sedan, and he'd get in and drive off because uh, he lets me serve him in that I'm going to pull up the right car. And, and so when you do that, just make sure you're serving your boss, your pastor, to the extent that they allow you to, that they're comfortable with. There's always going to be some personal space, even with being brothers-in-laws and in the same family and everything. There's still limitations to things he'll be like, bro, you know, stay off my investments, things like that. So the next thing I'll say is 
realize your boss slash pastor has has gifts that you don't have. The main one I'll talk about there is, is vision and being a visionary. Pastor Matthew often tells me right now that he's in a visionary stage. And so he's not going to take many meetings right now. And he's not going to, uh, he's not going to weigh himself down with board meetings. He's in a visionary stage where he's going to cash vision out to staff at staff meetings and really count on us to follow through with that. You kind of got to have your hand in everything. Everything Pastor Matthew gives most of his marching orders to us at staff meetings and from the pulpit on Sunday mornings. And so we're not going to get much one-on-one time with him on specific direction. We'll catch it through his vision casting. And as assistants, we got to make sure we catch that so that we can also go to the other soldiers, other staff members, and make sure they're following up in the right ways. Um, like I said, we're going to have lots of Q&A. We'll talk in a few minutes. But has anybody caught anything yet? Has anybody caught anything yet? Good. Uh, one thing is this is a big one, and I struggled with this one for a really, really long time. Being in with the Barnett family for so long, I also work pretty closely with Pastor Tommy Barnett. They're all going to be here tonight. We're going to have a part of the service tonight to honor the Dream Center's 25th anniversary. It's going to be really, really cool. One thing Pastor Tommy confirmed inside of me was you have to protect your boss, your pastor, from negative feedback. And it was even double confirmation when Pastor Greg Surratt told us the same thing this morning. He confirmed with us, Greg Surratt said, do not look at negative feedback. That's a big one. When I fell into the chair of being the direct number one assistant to Pastor Matthew, of course I'm going to get emails and complaints from church members, staff members, everybody, neighbors across the street because they're mad that there's so many people on the streets cleaning the sidewalks. But uh, protect them from the negative feedback because... The truth is they don't need that, and they don't need to read it. They don't need to know it. When People if people are going to leave the church all the time. I have a motto with people who leave the church, though. They always come back, it seems like. But protect your pastors. Protect your bosses from negative feedback. It's really, really going to take a lot. And it's almost like your shoulders can wear, can wear that weight, and they don't need to. Um, it's a great thing. Now, the last one of my four points is the most simple one, but it's just you have to pray. And uh, just a few weeks ago, our CFO at the Dream Center, we were having a big conversation about something and we've grown really close and work really close together. And uh, he came into my office, sat down, and I said, man, it's been such a great week. He goes, me too. I said, it's kind of crazy and sounds kind of immature, but this morning I prayed for 15 minutes. <laughs> and, uh, and the day's gone great and I've gotten 10 times more than I usually get done because I prayed. I already told you I've been in church my whole life, saved when I was seven. So it's things I know. But we have to constantly remind ourselves. We have to pray. We have to pray. There is a, it, it's a heavy seat to sit in, the assistant seat, the armor bearer seat uh, to the senior pastor. We have to be protecting ourselves so that we can help protect our pastors. I think that's the biggest job of the assistant is for us to protect our pastors from negative feedback, protect them from uh from fights they don't need to be involved in, whether it's small stuff on staff or things in the church or anything like that. But there is one bonus point to my four points. If you're an assistant to the senior pastor, specifically that crowd, the number one piece of advice I would give you is to make sure you're at every service, make sure you're on the front row, make sure you don't have your phone in your hand, you're communicating with your pastor while he's speaking, because you have to be his number one fan. Um, I mean, it's not, I think you'll talk to a lot of pastors, a lot of chief of staffs or anything like that in, in any church, and it's just a common thread. Like, not all staff members go to every service. That's okay, but 
you as the assistant, we need to be their number one cheerleader. I mean, even more so than their spouse or anything. So a lot of times they won't be able to make every service, but you be at every service and just connect with your pastor and give him positive feedback during his message. Uh, one thing I'll say personally, like Pastor Matthew Barnett is one of the hardest people I've ever found to encourage. It's so hard to encourage him, which how many compliments can you come up with every single Sunday anyways after a sermon? But man, that was a great sermon and nothing really like get gets down deep, but that's also because he doesn't let negative feedback get down deep either. He's really firm and on a solid foundation of what he's called to do and the church that he leads and everything. And that, that helps me out. But uh, it's one of my biggest desires to try to encourage him and, and lift him up. But it's hard to. So when it's hard, you just keep doing it. That's the biggest thing. You just keep doing it. Um, and those are the four points. I'll go back to them at any time. But if anybody, if you want to start thinking of a question or anything to bring up, just go ahead and raise up your hand. But... Like I said, I work with Pastor Tommy Barnett a lot, and everything like, uh, was it Greg Surratt this morning who said he did all those different jobs and everything for the pastors? It's funny. Yeah, I've managed personal property and personal investments all for other leaders or pastors in the church and things, and it really is. I've been there 15 and a half years. I'm so happy to be exactly where I'm called at, and I personally feel definitely more called to Matthew Barnett than the Dream Center or the church itself. And that's a great thing that shifted in my heart a few years ago of actually knowing I'm called to him and I'm supposed to be with him. Now, that's true as long as it's in his heart too. So uh, he had the same assist. Matthew had the same assistant for 17 years and I worked underneath him for about 10 years or for 12 years. And that individual left and moved on to other things. And I just kind of moved into the chair. Like Pastor Matthew never sat me down and asked me to be his assistant I just kind of did, so I often joke with him still sometimes that you've never asked me to be your assistant. I just kind of started doing it. So if you show up in the right place long enough, you'll make yourself needed. <laughs> That's what I'm saying too. Pastor Tommy Barnett shares a story about an assistant. When he started his church in Des Moines, Iowa, an old lady would come every single Sunday morning with a donut and a cup of coffee. And one, and she did it every day for three, every Sunday for three years. So he started to really like the lady. Then one day, a really, really bad snowstorm happened. Nobody came to church, not even the old lady. And when Pastor Tommy walked into church, he didn't have a donut or no coffee. And he said he was really mad at that old lady because she wasn't doing what she usually did. So if you work hard enough and make yourself needed, a position, a place will really be there for you more than you even know. Uh, does anybody have any questions? Yeah. Well, fun question, but just a comment that you had said that, you know, realizing that your boss has different gifts than you. Yeah. I think it's the other way, too. You have completely different boss, uh, different gifts than he or she might have. Absolutely. And for, uh, to really know, be you know, strong in your gifts, but really, really realize theirs so that you can compensate. Mm-hmm. No, it's so true. I often hear individuals, that's a great point. I often hear individuals talking about that person, the other person, and what they lack. And, you know, because we, because of course, we have it all together. But, yeah, it's, also, it's so true. Pastor Matthew's car has never been cleaner a single day in his life than my car. Uh, so I have strengths that he doesn't have as well. But a lot of times I see, I've seen personally a lot of people trying to, like, fix their boss or fix their pastor into a way of pulling them back into conform to our day-to-day because pastors aren't involved in the day-to-day maybe politics that we are with the staff, things like that. Yeah. But they know best. <laughs> that, that's always been my, uh, 
my strategy on it. But that is so true. Make sure you realize you have strengths they don't have so you can lift them up and you can make them better in so many ways. Uh, but don't ever forget that your boss, your pastor has a visionary gift that we don't have. And a lot of times it's not following them blind because we've all heard nowhere in the right spot, but knowing that, uh, knowing that their vision from God is a real thing. And whether it's a pastor or financial or any type of leader or boss in the church, uh, that's a great, great point. Don't forget you have gifts too. Anybody else? Yeah. Um, I'm wondering in the early stages, how do you figure out kind of, because for me, I, I want to help in all the places, mm-hmm. and how do you figure out which things are your responsibility and which maybe you're not meant to do mm-hmm. without pestering with, like, right. is this mine or should I pass mm-hmm. it? That's a great point. It makes me, uh, makes me think of about two years ago when I kind of became full-time Pastor Matthew's main assistant, direct assistant. Uh, yeah, I, I think I bogged him down so much with emails and texts and phone calls of like, should I do this or should I do that? How far can I go with this? And I really feel like through prayer, I really did uh, get this feeling from the Holy Spirit that I have, it started, I think, about a year ago, last summer around our conference, that I came up with a new motto for myself that I lived with for about a year. And it was just do it. And that's the Nike. <laughs> but I told myself, I'm going to just do it. And guess what? You're going to do things that are wrong sometimes, like run out of gas in negative 17 degree weather. Uh, but you, like whatever type of fashion your boss or pastor has and reprimanding you, correcting you, take the correction. But uh, that's something I did. And, you know, I don't know if I would give that advice to somebody who's like in their first year or second year with their boss or pastor. Like I was 15 years in and I I know him really well and think I can answer some things. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. I'm not going to bother him until I do it wrong. And I did a few things wrong and he got bothered a few times from directly from my mishandling a situation. But I think I was correct more than I was wrong. And uh, when you're married into the family, they can't fire you anyway. So good. But uh, that's what I came up with in my same dealing with that question of how much can I, do I bother him with this or that? I just did things. And because I felt very in tune with his vision that he's always casted out in, in vision of the church where, where he is trying to get the church to go. So I took on a lot of that load and not bothering him with stuff, whether it was a small staff issue or maybe a larger issue in the church try to get our leadership who he's placed to be over these things, to be the team and the committee to do it without bothering him as much. Uh, It really, really, really is true. Just what Aaron Jane said this morning, Aaron Jane, by the way, was the very first volunteer at the dream center in downtown LA. He moved to LA with Matthew Barnett. They lived in the old hospital, asbestos filled hospital for like three years before they even got an apartment together. Aaron Jane, he's an OG. He's an awesome guy. But he said, you don't want Chris's church because you don't want all the problems that come with it. I think there's no matter what size of church, um, you're probably getting sued. You know, you're probably there's probably legal problems. There's this and that. And that all weighs on our pastor's shoulders more than we could ever comprehend. So that's why they started the church so that they could help people's hearts and, and help change people. And, you know, for those trials to come, we don't want to add to it. So we just try to keep it away from them. And it was a few years ago when I told Pastor Tommy, yeah, I got this. Pastor Tommy Barnett, I got this bad email from somebody in the church, been a long-time giver, a long-time church member. And he told me, don't even send that to Matthew. 
He doesn't need to see that. Because if I could go back in time and stop my assistant from sending me some of those emails or some of those letters, because I would stop them. And that's what confirmed it in my heart through a spiritual advisor that I'm not going to. I'm not going to send it to him anymore. And thankfully, we haven't gotten any bad emails in a long time I, because I get them all, but we haven't had any in a while. It's been good. Mm-hmm. So I have a question regarding like that because we're a one-year launch. We just celebrated our one year, so we're brand new. Um, you said like you don't, we don't bother them with negativity, yeah. all of that. Do you just ignore it? No. <laughs> because it comes to mm-hmm. me. Absolutely. Because we, we have uh, it's me and then our lead, um, mm-hmm. our lead pastors are pastor guy and pastor Ashley, so it's like. We always joke that I get like mm-hmm. 90%, she gets 5 or 10%, yep. he gets nothing. <laughs> so yep. it's like it, it goes through that. So it's like, where do you go from, mm-hmm. like when you get it all, where yep. does it go at that point? You just swallow it? Well, I, I don't think, mm-hmm. n- not often you swallow it. I think often you do the work mm-hmm. to yeah. mend. You do the time on the phone with an individual with the complaint. You do the time. Um, I, I don't. Not many times you've ever heard me say in 15 years, like, speak for Pastor Matthew. I'm not, I can't speak for Pastor Matthew, but I really think he would say this in this situation and encourage the church member with a problem or a complaint or a staff member who's got a big problem or a complaint. Uh, but it really, I try to stop it with me. I don't try to hand it off to another person. I try to handle it all the way to the end, which isn't one of my strengths, funny enough, as an assistant. I don't like phone calls and things like that. I'm just talking more like not so much the complaints that have like an answer, but just like negativity in general. Mm-hmm. Like someone comes up and it's like, there's no crosses at this church. Mm-hmm. I'm like, we're in high school. What would you like to yeah. do with that? <laughs> like, exactly. Exactly. Straight paint on the wall. Exactly. Like, no, 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 so, like that kind of stuff. That type of complaint's you? a great example to bring up because that's a complaint that's going to come up no matter what you solve. Mm-hmm. You could solve that issue and they'll have another complaint. So that Next week. Just oh, if I got that specific complaint from somebody, uh, I would just smile, hug them, and say, "You're absolutely right," and just yeah. probably walk away. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but with a smile. Yeah, yeah. My cheeks hurt after our conference because I'm smiling so much. Because that's another point that should I should have added, but I re- because it really is true coming from me. Part like 25 percent of your job uh, responsibility as an assistant is to smile. Not joking. I'm not joking. It's the smile. So uh, Pastor Matthew says it all the time in smaller settings of our staff meetings and everything else. I'd rather work with a positive person than a genius. So positivity, encouragement, and a smile. Um, a few years ago, our HR department at the Dream Center told made everybody fill out a job description list. And I was like, I'm going to make sure they never ask this again because I'm going to make it like 17 pages long. And I included a whole page on how I have to smile and have a good attitude in my, in my job. And our HR person was like, come on, you're just trying to fill up your space? I was like, if I walk around Pastor Matthew like this for a couple months, I'm not going to have a job. So smile, be positive. Uh, it, 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 it helps a lot. <laughs> um, another thing you were saying, you made me think of this, about other people bringing you issues, whether it, you know other people on staff can bring complaints and things like that. Being the assistant to the senior pastor, you're kind of in a different ship in that you see some staff members or some people in leadership kind of, we use the term free pass sometimes. People have, you know, do something bad in their actions or something and they get reprimanded, corrected, and then followed through. As the assistant, a lot of times we don't have that commodity. We don't have the commodity of like, you got three strikes. When you're that close to the pastor, um, 
you just really have to be prayed up. You have to be close and you have to keep yourself prayed up and, and, and on the good side of your, of your character and behavior because we represent the pastor and our boss more than other staff members. And I think we have to remember that. And I'm 36 years old. And a lot of times my specific age range forgets that. And we have to make sure our character, our behavior represents all the values that we work our butts off for in church to spread and help people with. I think that's a really, really big thing. Um, it's so funny. You're 36 and 36 and so old and wise. And I am a father. <laughs> And it's funny, my wife and I have been going through like the past year of just like, we just need to pray more. It sounds so silly. It sounds so silly. And it's almost embarrassing, but you just, we're just like, just need to pray more. So three kids, two babies, it's, it, it's a lot harder to pray now than it was in my mid-20s when you think, of, when you think it's going to be the opposite. But man, it's just a game changer. Uh, the, the two biggest things, that's what I would say of the four points if you wrote them down. Pray, don't be a dream killer. Don't be a dream killer. I tell myself that all the time. And it took me 15 years because I'm not a visionary. I'm not a pastor. If you haven't figured it out yet, I'm not a speaker. Uh, so I'm more of the very, very organized assistant. So I was the person who tore down the idea of an outside service one time, like 15 years ago. But a few weeks ago or months ago when we were planning our 25th anniversary this week, somebody brought up the idea to have our Sunday morning services outside in our parking lot at the Dream Center. And a few people were like, well, what if this, what if that? And I just spoke up and said, what if it's bright and sunny? <laughs> and I went, wow, I've worked for Matthew Barnett for 15 years officially. Finally optimistic. Because if you're not optimistic, just because you're not an optimistic person by nature isn't an excuse not to be. Right. That's another one we have to remember that I have to literally teach myself every January 1st. So, because with Matthew Barnett rolling in the office every single day, it's, you know, we're going to get 40 people into our program today. We're going to do this, this, and this. And I'm like, well, that's not even possible. It's like, we can't even take on that many people. No. If you're not an optimistic person, it's not an excuse to say you're not an optimistic person. I think we're called to the situations we're supposed to be in, and we'll hold leadership in those positions. And we need to be positive and encouraging. Yeah. Aaron, as an assistant at Yacht Family on Sundays, do you, are you working all services as an assistant? Yep. Yep. So, like I said, be at all services. Every time the church doors are open. So, here's another thing. As an assistant, there's probably not a single person in this room who's the pastor's assistant. You're probably the pastor's assistant and, and, and. Everybody's got a and, right? Well, for one reason, it's because if you're going to pay a person a living wage in L.A., I need like seven job titles because, <laughs> because the church don't have enough money to pay a, a pastor's assistant. So I'm at every single service, So and I help oversee the staff of Angelus Temple Church, 24 people. So I'm there. Now, I'm lucky enough not to have to be there until the doors are locked, but I'm there every single service when the doors are open. You, typically on the front row, unless I'm politely escorting somebody out of church that's making a lot of noise. But your family joins you. Oh, yeah. And actually, I'm really, really lucky. My wife, I have three daughters, and my oldest is five. Right when my oldest daughter was born five years ago, my wife just flipped to kids' ministry. So my wife serves in kids' ministry. We have a Thursday night and two Sunday mornings, so she's there. And our three girls are there the whole time. And, uh, I mean, right now we make them go, but they love it. But we're there, we're, we're there every time the doors are open. Every single big event, uh, you, you'll see us always there. Um, I'm often just following Pastor Matthew around. So if he's out of town, I'm usually with him and not at church. But uh, 
always with him. It's fine. Uh, Pastor Caroline Barnett and I often argue about who spends more time with him, her or me. So, <laughs> Did I answer your question? Yeah. yeah, always there. I think it's just really important. I Some of my best friends are people I work with on staff, and we sit on the front row together, and I'm always taking pictures of them when they're checking the sports games and everything else. Just like, hey, just like supporting, man, just be here and support, because the crowd will follow you in church. The crowd will follow you, and no matter what you think, the crowd's looking at you. So especially if you're sitting up front or anything like that, I'm just saying there's a lot about perception. So perception mean, means a lot, in my opinion. And uh, my wife got a, like a, an incredible gift of a $1,400 Louis Vuitton purse. And I was like, well, don't, you can't take that to church. People are going to think I make too much money. There's a real thing to perception, but to be there to support your pastor in a real way. Uh, anybody else got any? Yeah. If you were a female in the role you will have right now, yeah. how would you see or would there be differences in how you're in that role? Absolutely. <laughs> great, great, great question because I have a real answer for you. And that is, I'm Matthew Barnett's assistant and have been for 15 years. Pastor Tommy Barnett has had one assistant for 36 years. And it's a woman. Her name's Lynn Lane. She's a legend amongst the assistant world. But she was with him in Iowa, moved with him to Phoenix. And I just spoke to her right before this class. And she's with him. Uh, she's still with him today. I got to check the time. All right, we're good. And here, Pastor Tommy operates like this. He has Lynn, which he says is his spine, his backbone, everything of organization in his whole life for 30 plus years. He wrote a book called The Power of the Half Hour, and he told you how to uh, attack life 30 minutes at a time. And he dedicated the whole book to Lynn Lane, his assistant of 30 plus years, because he said she's the most organized person and has kept me going in ministry and helped me achieve more than I could have done without her. So he has a female assistant who's been like his number one scheduler, everything. He doesn't do emails, so she gets all of his emails. He also has another assistant, his name's Gary, He's a man and takes care of a little more of the personal stuff for him. Like, hey, my garage door is broken. Come over to my house and fix it. Gary will do that. Gary travels with him a little bit. I travel with him a little bit. But he doesn't do anything personal with Lynn. So there's a really fine line. He has a really fine eight to five relationship with Lynn. But boy, is she taking care of him that whole time. And uh, her office is right outside his office in Phoenix at uh, Dream City Church offices. And so they operate amazingly together and so with a man and a woman woman team right there and obviously she's super close with the family obviously everyone's comfortable with her i mean a lot like me like pastor matthew's kids will they're my niece and nephew but they'll call me and text me to ask where their parents are i'm like why don't you just text them I don't uh, but same with lynn just somebody who's really close with the family i mean obviously with the different sexes you don't want to cross many personal lines. And Pastor Tommy's never done that. You know, he's never, you know, worked late with her in the office. Ever. Ever once. And still, as close as they are, and as long as they've been together, I guarantee you they've never had an off, like a meeting in his office with the doors closed even. So Pastor Tommy's way above reproach and anything of that nature, financial, to the point where it's annoying, but he is so above reproach on that. That would be my answer to that. It's very possible. It's 100% possible because Pastor Tommy Barnett's done it for 35 years. Um, 
But yeah, you've you got to be a little more careful, I guess. Mm-hmm. And Pastor Matthew Barnett, he's kind of the opposite. I've been in his office for 15 years, and I recently, just a few weeks ago, wrote down a list of every single name I've worked with in his office. And at the Dream Center, it's not all staff members. Like, you want to come to the Dream Center for six months and volunteer? We'll take you. Come on over, and we'll give you a job and assign you an office. And so we assign them to work in our office a little sometimes. At one time, I was the only person working in Pastor Matthew Barnett's office that didn't have a strike on my record in California. <laughs> because we hired all of, the, all of our people out of discipleship and I was teaching a former blood gang member the home row in the computer one day because the, the mission of the whole Dream Center is to bring people out of that from the bottom of the bottoms teach them a basic skill to try to help their lives get a permanent landing spot so at one time I've, I've, I was the only one without a, without a strike or a rap sheet Pastor Matthew's office but one thing about Pastor Matthew is that he's, like, he's, he's not going to have a female assistant so uh, I've always been there, and we haven't had many women work in our office, but, uh, but Pastor Tommy sure does well with it. And he, Pastor Tommy, could stand up here for 30 minutes and talk about how Lynn Lane has had much, as much to do with his ministry success as anybody else. He really, really would. Power of the Half Hour by Tommy Barnett. Get that book, because Lynn Lane kind of wrote that book, and Tommy got all the credit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anybody else? Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm with a, a, okay, we're a four-year-old church plant in wow. Vegas. We still don't have a building. We're set, set wow. up, tear down. Um, all of our staff are unpaid volunteers. Yeah. Um, I have a full-time job outside cool. of church. And so, <laughs> like, speaking on, like, the $2,000 check that you sent, yeah. <laughs> um, like, how... How do you deal with that failure when you are an admin mind? Yeah. Like my, my mind works like that mm-hmm. and I'm very task oriented. And if I make a mistake, like printing 200 sheets of paper right, and right. we're, we're a huge. tiny church and right. that's a lot of paper yeah. that I now have to throw away and have to redo. Like how I do you it. deal with that failure and not like my pastors have never like corrected me or said anything yep. badly to me, but I do it to myself. <laughs> how do you deal with that? <laughs> I think I know how. A few years ago, Pastor Matthew, not, not a few, probably like 12 or 13 years ago, Pastor Matthew came in a staff meeting once in July, and he had a big coat on. And we're like, why are you wearing a big coat? Mm-hmm. And he got in front of our whole staff, and he unzipped his coat and opened up his jacket, and he was wearing a shirt that said, it's my fault. And so I love taking the blame for things. I don't know why. Maybe it's a spiritual gift because it's really hard to do, but... It, you, you, you take fault for it. You take fault for it and you tell your leader what happened so that they can have the facts, especially if it's something financial. Like, yeah, if it's too, if it's a pallet of paper, that's a big deal. Right. Like, and, I lost it. I made the mistake. Um, the first thing that popped in my mind when you asked that, so running out of gas in Red Deer, <laughs> Canada, and spending $2,000 of his money that he'll never get back, um, it, it it's... Maybe you can't control it all the time, but it's good not to make big mistakes back-to-back, back-to-back months. If I make that big mistake, guess what? I'm going to be on it for the next couple months. The little things are the big things. Then you have to reteach yourself to go back to the basics, like pray. You know, can't forget that. But I would say be honest about the mistake. Make sure you come right out with it. And it was my fault. And, man, I don't know why. Uh, Tim back there works with us, works on my floor and in my office at the dream center but man i love going into meetings uh and something's wrong or with pastor matthew directly 
the worship song was wrong. You know, he told me, do this song, second service. Okay, I went and told him the wrong song. And then second service, the third song comes up, and it's not the song he wanted, and I just turned to him. It was my fault I gave him the wrong song. Bam. It's kind of solved right there. (laughs) Unless he wants to harbor bitterness towards me, then he needs to pray about it. But that would be that would be what I would what I would do in my shoes. Oh my gosh, I made a mistake. I'm just gonna tell I'm gonna tell him really quick, and and it'll never happen again. And he, Pastor Matthew and I were on the same soccer team like 15 years ago, and I played goalie. And every time I got scored on, I went, "That'll never happen again." It always happened. Again. <laughs> but that was my attitude. It'll never happen again, and I will take the blame for it if it does. And I think that's, I think that's really big. I'm 36. Like I said, the whole millennial thing, you know, nobody wants to take the blame. Nobody wants to take the responsibility. Everybody's scared of this or scared of that. And Pastor Matthew Barnett, he's not a pushover. You know, he's not, he's not like jolly green giant of, if you make a mistake, he'll, he'll have the same emotions and reactions as any other human would, but make the mistake, admit to it and promise correction. So I haven't ran out of gas two times. I've ran out of gas once. Right. But make sure you just really stay on top of it after you make that mistake to the, the small things to the large things and keep doing it. And guess what? You're going to make another mistake. And so am I. And try to build up enough good deed, tenure, everything just to make those mistakes seem smaller. But never try to hide them. Okay. How's everybody doing? It's been a good, good art conference. Does anybody have anything else? Any other questions? Please. Yeah. So you're full-time. So what is that? Is that like on-call position? Like yeah. What kind of like personal boundaries do you set being a, like a senior pastor, like executive mm-hmm. assistant? Oh, that's a fantastic question. Going along with what you said about the church plant staging and everything. So I came, I've been in the Dream Center 15 and a half years. I, it took me about three years to get paid. And getting paid meant a stipend each month for a couple more years. And so that's another beauty about being where you're called at. Because if you're called at, those things are kind of smaller to you. You're not doing a lot of times people in the church, uh, you know, the youth pastor position is rolled over more than any other position in the church because they use it as a stepping stone to get somewhere else higher. So that's typically not something you do in the assistant role. Uh, sometimes you find out too much information about the church in the assistant role, and they don't want to send you to another department. <laughs> but you, your personal boundaries is that you have you have to set up personal boundaries. So in the unique position of Pastor Matthew being my brother-in-law, he's an uncle to my three girls. Uh, there's still so many times where my wife and I will go out to dinner, we'll go out, or just a Saturday afternoon, I'll take my girls to the park, and I'll just turn my phone off <laughs> and take your time for your family. So it's a, it's a funny cliche in the church, take care of your family first, but nobody will give you the time to do it. Yeah. So you have to take the time to do it. Yeah. You have to take the time to set the boundaries. And no, this is maybe the only instance I can think of being an assistant that we get to make these this rule. We get to make this boundary. Because you, you have a family, Good. I have a family, I have kids, I have a wife, all of which I need to pour into and make sure they're well, so I get to make this boundary. And of course, I make it in a healthy way to suit him, but, uh, but oh yeah, I mean, I think Pastor Matthew's most in-tune time with the Holy Spirit is like four to eight in the morning, uh-huh. and it's horrible for me. <laughs> So I, I'll, I wake up every morning and text messages from him of this or that. And it's pr- 
sometimes it's my marching orders for the day, but I'm asleep when he sends them and he knows that. So that's a boundary we kind of set up. We met, we never talked about it, but we understand it. He knows he could text me before 6 a.m., but I'm not going to respond till 7.30. And so that's a healthy boundary we set up without even like sitting down, talking about it, set it up through experience. But I think that's up to us. It's like going back to the person who asked, how much do you bother? How much do you bother your boss with? Well, you, you don't bother your boss with how much you need to take care of your family or how much you need to take care of yourself. And you do that, do, do it first and make sure those boundaries are set up. Because if they're not set up, then they're going to be crossed and you're going to grow to dislike them. So you can't give them that, that, that unfairness. You've got to set it up in advance. And sometimes you say it straight up. So there's a certain movie theater we go to in L.A. that's like underground and you get no cell, cover, cell phone coverage there. So every time anybody goes to that theater, like Pastor Matthew or Caroline or myself or anything, we always text each other, like, going to IPIC, can't reach me for the next three hours. But we all say it's our favorite place to go to because <laughs> our phones don't work. So set up those boundaries yourself and, and stand firm on them to make sure you're healthy. Yeah. Anybody else? This has been an absolute awesome thing for me. Like I said, being an assistant for so long, I'm not a speaker. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a visionary. I'm not a big idea guy. I have a very clean office. I have a very organized office. On my phone, I take care of approximately five people's daily schedules. They're all in different colors. Uh, even Tommy Barnett's, he knows what color's his because it's the brightest so he can read it with his eyes. But you do so much. And don't ever forget to take care of yourself. Don't ever forget to pray for yourself. Don't ever forget to take those times. That's not being selfish. I think that's just equally balancing um, the human mind, the human heart, and making sure we're healthy to move forward. Uh, but that's um, but 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 that's really really it. And uh, like I said about the youth pastor position, a lot of times some people use that to catapult into other areas of the church or higher higher expectations and things like that. But just know where you're called. And if this isn't even your landing spot forever, if you're in a church plant position, maybe this is something you're filling in for. Uh, more times than not, it's something you're going to grow into and make yourself needed. And they're not going to be able to live without you in the way you help their life. But just just be confident in it. Sometimes you just got to do it. And when you make a mistake, own it and keep moving forward. Uh, and, if, and if for some reason your pastor, your boss is really, really mad at you, just give them the forgiveness scripture in the Bible. <laughs> and use their preaching against them. <laughs> and you should know their preaching because nobody should hear it more than you. Yeah. So those are just kind of the simple, basic facts. It's really just like going to school again, starting from the fun fundamentals. Um, anytime any church member, you know, or sorry, staff member wants to meet with Pastor Matthew, like the first thing I ask him is like, "What do they preach? What do you preach on last Sunday?" So just make sure, just making sure everybody's in tune with his vision and where he's going. And nobody should be supporting it more than us, the assistants. Nobody should. Nobody should. So we have to make sure our hearts are in a spot where we can hear almost at the same level they can. Because um, it's an awesome, awesome thing. So thank you so much for coming. Pastor Matthew officially owes me a little bit of money because there's more than five people here. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. Thank you so much for coming. This is our, these conferences are some of the best for me personally. 
the way Chris Hodges always messes you up and, and encourages you at the same time. Tonight's going to be an awesome service. We got a few minutes of the service tonight to honor the Dream Center. It's, this this week is the Dream Center's 25th anniversary. Pastor Matthew moved to L.A. when he was 20 years old. And they bought the Dream Center building. We house over 600 people every single day, most of which coming off drugs, alcohol, homeless families, emancipated youth, home, uh, and, and, and homeless veterans, everything. So... Uh, and I live on that campus and, and, and help and help operate it, but it, it, it's the best to be in a place where you know, you're supposed to be. And I think we're all supposed to at least be here today. So thank you so much for coming. I'm going to say a quick prayer and let's have an awesome, awesome night. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for every single one of these individuals. Talk about a room full of people who just want more direction, who want more comfort in knowing they're in the exact right spot that you want us to be, God. Continue to pour out this direction. Continue to pour out this daily help that we all, all are longing for to help your pastors, to help your churches move forward and keep going. Thank you for this responsibility. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this session from the ARC Conference. Our heart is that you are more encouraged and excited about your calling than ever before. For dates and locations, and to register for an upcoming art conference, visit artconference.com.